And now it's uh, really my privilege to introduce uh, Dr. Dave Nelson, who's, who's going to, uh, he's the one that's dressed cross-culturally today, so we're going to um, welcome him and know him that way. But uh, we've known uh, David for uh, several, more than several years here, and you, you should know before he speaks that your elder council and your pastors, uh, as much as we love our Western missionaries, and we do love them, we have some here, we also love uh, the ministry that uh, God has given to David and ministry and uh, Crossing Cultures International. They have recognized that uh, God's church is growing around the world, and one of the biggest needs of that church is to train pastors and leaders of that church. But obviously in many third world countries, uh, they do not have the resources, and these pastors cannot get good theological training. They cannot travel to get to training. Many of them are um, work you know, part-time and pastor part-time. So what they've done is taken um, this Bible Center training uh, for pastors that was um, developed, and what it did, it boils down to the what are the essential skills, uh, truths, and equip, equipping that someone needs to lead a church, and boil that down to the essentials of that. What David does is they his ministry takes that that set of uh, knowledge, which is about. Ten, 10 volumes or so of books. They translate that into different languages, and then they have folks, their national directors, who have been trained and who actually mentor life on life those pastors that cannot otherwise afford to get to that training. As we know, as leadership goes, so goes the church, and this is a very effective and efficient way to bring leadership training to millions of pastors uh, around the world. So David will explain that to you, but just so you know, this is something that your church leadership strongly supports, this concept and this ministry. So David, I'll let you take it from there. Good morning, everybody. It's a great day, isn't it? Beautiful fall day to worship the Lord together. And it truly is a privilege to be with you, to share with you what God is doing around the world through the ministry of CCI, or Crossing Cultures International. I'd like to introduce to you my wife, Mindy. We've been married for over 32 years, and we have been in cross-cultural ministry together. Yes, thank you. January the 1st will be 31 years. Did I turn this on right? Yep, it's on, okay. Yeah, this uh, January 1st will be 31 years together, and uh, we began out in the Philippines in 1986. Actually, last, about two weeks ago, we were in upstate New York, near Albany, visiting a church called Christian Church of Charleston Four Corners. And we began there on January the 1st, 1986, moved to the Philippines later that year. The Lord brought us back here in 1999, and uh, we, had, we were involved in training, equipping pastors and church leaders in the Philippines. And the Lord opened a door for us to continue this ministry now through this organization called Crossing Cultures International. We have two children, and uh, they're both married, and four grandchildren, which there are no pictures of, but next time there will be. Sorry. <laughs> but this is our ministry. That's <laughs> the best part, isn't it? Uh, this is our ministry. We exist to glorify God by equipping Christ followers globally with comprehensive training for effective ministry. 
And Scott really summed it up really well. What we do is we take the essentials of seminary training and bring it to people, to pastors and church leaders, to local churches, to remote areas, so they can be trained and equipped and mobilized for the harvest. And we take them through a a curriculum called Bible Training Center for Pastors. There are 10 courses, and we also have two other courses we teach, one called God's Financial Principles, developed by Crown Financial Ministry. How many of you have heard of, of Crown Financial Ministry? Very good. It's a, it's a course designed for pastors outside North America, uh, teaching them biblical stewardship, how to get out of debt, how to save, become a generous giver. And then another course that I recently wrote is called Advanced Expository Preaching, which teaches about the homiletical bridge, bridging the ancient world of the Bible to people today, knowing your audience and knowing the truths of God's Word and exhorting people to understand and obey God's Word. So that's what our ministry is all about, training and equipping pastors and church leaders around the world. Uh, <clears throat> this is a, group, a picture of a group uh, class in India, and you'll see all the nations. I'm not going to list them for you, um, but we're in uh, 26 countries, and um, we have uh, national workers in, in each of those countries, uh, coordinators over the countries, and They all are, uh, we're not doing this by ourselves, going to all those countries, but we have uh, faithful men uh, leading the the ministry in each of those countries. And so the miracle of this is that we began with two classes in 1997 in the Philippines. And the Lord has grown us from two classes to about 500 classes now in 26 countries. There was a pastor in Canada that went to the Philippines in, in 2002, and he called me in 2002, and he said, David, come and train me how to use this curriculum. So I went from, uh, in, in February 2003, it was 70 degrees in Florida, to Winkler, Manitoba, where it was minus 30, 100-degree change, and trained him. He started using the training program in his church, but he grew up speaking French. And so someone invited him to go to Haiti. Now we have about 900 pastors in training in Haiti, the same training program from the from the philippines to canada to haiti Um, and this is some of our staff we were in uh met in cambodia two two years ago and um this they're they're godly staff we love each one of them and love working with them and uh so when we go on a trip we might go to maybe five countries and we'll visit the staff that's there and sometimes dave does extra training with them and encouragement. We pray together for each of their classes and the ministry that each of them have. And each one of these men joined our ministry through a class as a student, as a teacher, and they grew up to be a coordinator or director in their country. So we, all, we met all these people at, through our travels around the world. And they oversee anywhere from 10 to 50 training classes in their area. Well, this morning we want to give you an update on Indonesia. You're a partners with us, ministry partners with us in the country of Indonesia, a country of 17,000 islands. It is the largest Muslim country in the world, and uh, this is what God is doing in Indonesia. This is our staff there. And uh, Eddie and Riyama, Eddie is the director, the national director, and we have four new coordinators that started earlier this year, uh, Robbie, Roby. He is in uh, Nusa Tenggara, 
And then there's uh, Pastor uh, Nimrod. He is in uh, Jakarta. Then uh, Pastor uh, Guntor in Bali, and he oversees that region. And then uh, Pastor Fritz over eastern Indonesia in uh, Papua. Now, it's a, a large country separated by three time zones. So it, to go from one side to the other would take you all day. I know that because I did that a few years ago. So this is a, a map of Indonesia, and you'll see that there's uh, three classes there in Java, three classes in Bali, 11 in Nusa Tenggara, <laughs> and nine classes in Papua. We introduce the training program to pastors who already have training through a workshop called the Teacher Training Workshop. It's a two-day workshop designed to train them through the biblical philosophy of leadership development in the Bible, and then we go through the examples of Scripture, and then we look at the 10 courses and do a survey of them and give them an opportunity to teach. And so this is what they have done uh, this year, 126 participants. These are pictures of the classes. And then we have, uh, we have new BTCP classes in, 19, uh, in 2015, sorry. And so you see there's a total of 10 new classes and 57 new students. And then this next is the total classes in 2015. You see there's 152 students, sorry, <laughs> and uh, 19 classes. This is their vision for the country to grow to 50 cl- uh, to go, grow to in 2000. Oh, this is our growth from 2013 to 2015, and uh, that we've grown from 60 people to 152 this year. And their vision is to grow to 300. Here we go. Here's some of the classes. They sit around tables and plastic chairs just like we do here, only it's a little bit warmer there. Yeah. <laughs> And some people sit on the floor. (laughs) This is a a testimony of one of the class members. Uh, They are studying Bible Doctrine Survey, which is helping them to understand the truths of the Bible better because there are many false teachings throughout churches, throughout Indonesia. And their classes are encouraging them to be more diligent in studying the Word of God so that they can rightly divide the Word of Truth. These are graduates to the training program this year. Some of these are tribal pastors in uh, Papua that come from the mountains and tribal areas, very hard to get areas, remote areas. And this is the projected growth. That was a few slides ahead. (laughs) By year 2018, we'd like to have 50 classes with 300 people in training. Okay. I mentioned God's financial principles to you earlier, and this is what they, they have done this year. participants in all these kind of places. Here's some pictures of their classes. And this is a testimony of Franz. And Franz attended a class, he attended a seminar last year. So what this does, a pastor attends, and then he takes the training to his church, and for one whole month he preaches on biblical stewardship in the church. And Franz attended last year. He said he had many debts. It even co-signed for a friend of his who was not going to be able to pay back the debt to him. And he said he came to one of the training this year, and he said that he has paid them all off except for one of them. And by next year, he, he plans to have all, all the debts paid off. 
And this has been uh, well received throughout Indonesia. There's no American culture in it. It's basically what the Bible teaches about getting out of debt. And so in many countries, people don't have credit cards, but they still have many debts that uh, accumulate. And uh, we saw that and experienced that in the Philippines. Yeah, many, many, many countries, they live, live on their salary day to day. Maybe if they're fishermen or farmers, they, they have what they have each day, and then they work the next day for their uh, food and provisions and whatever they need. If some emergency comes along, then they don't have the money to pay for it, and they'll, um, like one time somebody came to us and they wanted to put their son through school, and so they uh, asked if they could borrow money from us, and they would give us a rice field, and we would hold it for, and use it, uh, plant on it, uh, for until they paid the debt back. So they do things like that, too. So here are our challenges in Indonesia. The growth of false teachings, Islamic expansion movement. In 1971, 90% of Papua, which used to be called Arian Jaya, there are many tribal people there. Uh, one tribe is called the Dani tribe. There were mass movements to Christ in the 60s. 90% in 1971 were Bible-believing Christians. Today, about 50% are Christians because the government is moving, relocating Muslims from large cities to remote areas like this. And so it's an effort to expand Islam throughout the country. Another, thing, another challenge is Indonesia, like I said, is 17,000 islands. And so travel throughout the country is very expensive. It's like traveling from Philadelphia to Los Angeles to go to some places. So pray for the resources to continue doing this and more regional coordinators over these areas because it's hard for one person to oversee millions of people. This is a country of over 300 million people. So I pray that God would add more staff to, more team members to our staff in Indonesia. And like uh, the first one says, there's many false teachings and uh, this happens in India and many countries. And like Scott said, if, if the pastor doesn't know the word of God, they have no way to, um, they, just th they just listen to everything they hear, and whatever comes along, they say, oh, that sounds good, and then they start teaching it to their people. And until they really study the Word of God and they're taught in these classes um, the correct doctrine and uh, they're not able to um, refute, refute some of the things they hear. Here's some prayer requests, praises and prayers. Thank God for all the classes. The CCI team, pray for new coordinators for next year. They have a ministry outreach on the 15th this week in a place called Halmahera with a large group. There's a large group coming together. Uh, there's 20 pastors, but they represent a very large denomination in that area of the country. And one of the, the main leaders is going to be there. So pray that this is a very effective meeting with him and results in many classes for the glory of God. So that's, that's it. Let his name be praised in Indonesia. Now, Eddie made this, by the way. Amen. So, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Just give her a hand. Yes. Open your Bibles this morning to Matthew... Chapter 28. 
And I want to share with you about living your life on mission with God. Living on mission. God has entrusted to us his mission in this world. He has a mission in the world. And that is for people to come to know him and worship him through Jesus Christ. This is the ultimate activity we can be involved in every week. On Sunday morning, we worship and turn our focus to God. And to see his greatness, he deserves all the glory, all the praise and honor. He is our creator. And so he has entrusted to us a mission, and that is found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. And it reads, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you are here with us this morning. We thank you that you love us, that you sent Christ to die for us on the cross and rise again on the third day, that this is the greatest news in the history of the world, that God became man so that we might come to know you, enjoy a relationship with you forever and ever and worship you. And Lord, we see in your heart your desire for the nations to worship you. People are suffering all over the world. And there's a longing in their heart to know you and worship you. And you have called each one of us who are believers in Christ to join you in what you are doing in the lives of people all over the world. So that there may be a people called by your name who worship you in every place. And as we sang this morning, we look forward to the day that Jesus returns. And as John said, even so, Lord Jesus, come. We anticipate your coming, Lord Jesus. And until you do come, help us to be faithful and fruitful to your command. We pray that you'd speak to us this morning, teach us from your word, help us to understand by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The great Vince Lombardi, after his football team, the Green Bay Packers, lost a game, held up a football and said, this is a football. We must get back to fundamentals. And many times in the church, we get focused on many things and look at many things, get distracted by things that are happening around us. And we need to refocus as well. Now, Jesus gave this command to his disciples, and we are his disciples, but he, he gave this command five times. Matthew 28, Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, 44, and 45, John 20, 21, and Acts 1, 8. Make disciples, preaching the gospel throughout all of creation, 
inviting people to receive Christ and receive forgiveness of sins and have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Beholding the glory of God in the face of Christ and beginning at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is the Great Commission. Many times we need to refocus on that. And, and uh, this morning, the challenge for us is I want each one of us, I want you to commit yourself to the process of growing as a disciple and to commit to helping somebody else in that growth process as well. Each one of us needs to grow and become more like Jesus Christ, and we can also help someone else in that process of growth. Now, in this passage, there are four principles. The four principles are this, timeless truths. Number one, verse 16 and 17, we see that missions begins and ends with worship. In verse 16, we read that they came to a mountain and met Jesus there. Many times in Jesus' ministry, he met his disciples on a mountain. Matthew really focuses on this. The very first sermon is called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is that most likely they met at Mount Tabor, which is about 2,000 feet high. And my wife and I, back in March, were in New Zealand, and we went with our regional director, John and Rose Marie, on a hike called the Milford Track that covers about 35 miles, and you cross over a pass that's about almost 4,000 feet. And from a mountain, you really are able to get a nice view of what's down below. And so Jesus is presenting a, a view a vision to them, and it says that they worship him. They worship him. Worship is our response to all of God's revelation of who he is and what he has done in Jesus Christ. It's our verbal and heartfelt expression of our thanks back to God and the recognition of all that he is. We see his glory, the brilliance of his presence, and the beauty of all of his attributes. And so... We go around the world not just because it's commanded, but because there's a famine of worship of God all around the world. Where, where God is not worshipped, man suffers. And so we go because we want people to worship our great God. And so missions end, begins and ends with worship. And as we worship God, we see his attributes, we see his greatness, and we see his heart for people that he has created to come to know him. A second principle we see is that Jesus has authority over our lives. He says in verse 18, I have authority over you. He has chosen us. He has saved us by, by his own blood, and we belong to him. We are no longer our, our own. The third principle is the command is to make disciples, not just converts. Not to build church buildings, but to make disciples. And the fourth principle is Jesus promises his presence, power, and provision. I am with you to the very end of the age. And when he says I am, it's the same as what God said to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. When Moses asked the Lord, who are you? What is your name? And God said, I am who I am. I am that I am. I am the self-existent God, the true creator of the universe, and I am talking with you, Moses. And so these are the truths that we find in this passage.
But this morning, I want to focus on the process. The process of becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ, of a disciple. And so I need four volunteers this morning to help me. There are four stages in Jesus training the disciples. Four stages. I've read a dozen books, and they all agree that there were four stages, three to four, at least four stages, at least three, but most of them agree on four. And so I believe there are four stages, so I need four volunteers to help me. All you have to do is hold a sign. I'm not going to make you talk or anything like that, or pray, or... Okay, come on up. We got one, two, three, and four. Excellent. Just line up across the front right here. And so, yeah, you can face the audience. You want to be first? All right. Okay, the first stage is... What is that? Come and see. Okay, excellent. What is your name? Lexi. Lexi, that's right. I'm changing your name this morning from Lexi to... Come and see. You're no longer Lexi. You're now come and see. What is your name? Oh, come and see. Yes, excellent. <laughs> the first stage of Jesus training his disciples, he came, he had just arrived from the wilderness where he, was, he, had, he had fasted and prayed for 40 days and was tempted. And John the Baptist sees him and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there were two disciples of John that left John and went to Jesus and, and Jesus said to them, what do you want? How can I serve you? And, G- and they said to Jesus, Lord, where are you staying? Do you think they were asking for his address? We want to see where your house is? No, they wanted to hang out with Jesus. And so it says in chapter one, John chapter 1, verse 35 to 39, that they spent the whole day with Jesus that day. And they're just curious converts. They're wanting to know who this is that John had told them about the Messiah. They hung out with him all that day. Then in John chapter 2, Jesus performs his first miracle. And what's the first miracle Jesus performs? Changing the water into wine. And uh, after that, we read in verse 12, chapter 2, verse 12, he stayed there many days with his disciples. And then in chapter 3, in verse 22, after he talked to the religious leader, and what was that religious leader's name? Nicodemus. He had talked with Nicodemus, and uh, we read in verse 22, they went out into the countryside and stayed there many days. They didn't, Jesus did not ask them to do anything but to hang out with him. How would you like to hang out with Jesus for a few days? What would you ask him if you were with him for a few days? And he had, he had not yet died on the cross, had risen again. He's the Messiah. What would, what, would you want to ask, what would you want to talk to Jesus about if you, were hang, if you were one of his disciples hanging out with him? Anybody? What would you ask him? Yes. Yeah, what, what are your plans for later in life? Who are you? Uh, who are your parents? Where did you grow up at? Things like that just like we would ask each other. And so they just got to know that he just got, he developed a close relationship with them. And so this is one of the keys that we see in training people is that training is as effective when we develop close relationships with one another. He presented a godly model for them to follow. He didn't ask them to do anything. They just watched him. 
some of the most important lessons in life we have learned by watching somebody else. We watched our parents for 18 years or so, learned all of our good habits and some of our bad habits from them too. This is what D.A. Carson said. Many facets of Christian discipleship, not at least prayer, are rather more effectively passed on by modeling than by formal teaching. If you want to disciple someone, just bring them with you while you go to the hospital to pray for someone, while you go to wherever. Many things we learn by watching and by modeling for others. And so during this stage of about six months, Jesus developed a close relationship with them, and he modeled for them how to serve God and how to live out the Christian life. Now, the second stage is called... Come and follow me. Come and follow me. What is your name? Come and follow me. Excellent. He's got it. This is come and follow me, and you are... Come and see. And so after six months, Jesus is sitting in a boat. You know, whenever we read about Jesus teaching, it's usually he's sitting down. And everybody else is standing up. Pastor Tim, I think we should change the way we do our worship services. The pastor sits down and everybody stands up while he's teaching. But uh, Jesus is sitting in a boat teaching the crowds of people in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. And it says at the very, after he finished teaching, he said to Peter... Cast out your nets into the deep. Well, they were not used to casting out fishing in the deep water. They were used to fishing in shallow water. And so what did Peter say? Lord, we have fished all night and caught nothing, but because you say so, we will do it. And so they cast out their nets into the deep, and what happened? They caught a couple of fish. And I'm thinking, if I'm, if I'm Peter at this time, I'm saying, if I'm going fishing again, I'm taking Jesus with me. Because I'll always catch a lot of fish. And Peter said, what was his response when he met Jesus? He said, get away from me. I am a sinful man. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And so in the first stage, we're developing a close relationship. And people, as a curious convert, they're new believers, they're growing in their relationship with Christ becoming more intimate with him. In the second stage, he began to train them. He began to train them how to pray about the word of God, about relationships with one another, about evangelism. He began to train them in many areas. And this is where our curriculum comes in, where we train people through about 550 hours of training. No matter where Jesus went, he was training people. He was teaching them the word of God. And so this is the things that he did. He gave them excellent training. And they became a committed follower. Now, as we're going through this, think about where you're at in the process and what you need to do to go to the next stage. Each one of us is in the process of discipleship. It's not like you just pop it in the microwave and we come out as a fully devoted follower of Christ. We have to go through a process of discipleship. So maybe you're a new believer. And like the disciples, you need to... Grow in your intimacy with Christ and know Him better. And so I want to encourage you to join the class on knowing God. Well, if you're here, you're a committed follower. You've been with the Lord for many years, and, and you are still studying or being trained in prayer and evangelism. You should join the class Pastor Tim has on Bible study methods. Well, the third process 
Let me read what, this is what George Bonner, Barna has to say. Habits of highly effective churches. If life transformation is the essence of the task facing the local church, then theological education is certainly a core element within that challenge. And he says, this lack of spiritual knowledge in churches in America. You know, we have the most resources in the history of the world right now. But in many churches throughout America, I'm sure it's not true here, there's a lot of ignorance. Wisdom has resulted in a body of believers that is both incapable of applying their faith in daily circumstances and unable to persuasively share their faith with those who so desperately need it. And I was encouraged this morning to hear about the different training programs that you have here. And so maybe you need to join the class on Bible study methods to learn how to handle the Word of God. Well, the third stage is... Come and be with me. Okay, excellent. And this is after two years of following Jesus. We read in Mark chapter 3, Jesus had prayed all night. He came down from the mountain and he chose 12 apostles. He said, I have chosen you that you might be with me and that I might send you out to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And so at this point, he gave them guided opportunities. They came back and reported to him what had happened. They said, Lord, demons, obey in your name. And Jesus said to them, rejoice that your name is written in the book of life, that you know God. Rejoice about that. And so we have grown from a curious convert to a committed follower, now a capable servant leader, someone who is leading a ministry whether it's children's ministry or evangelism ministry or missions ministry or whatever it may be, a capable servant leader. And this is where Jesus sent them out on mission trips and they came back and reported to him. Guided opportunities. So here they had a close relationship with Christ and he modeled for them. So if you want to help other people, help them grow in their intimacy with Christ, bring them with you, have no agenda, and show them by your example how to be a faithful follower of the Lord. Here, if, if, if the person is here that you're helping, bring them and give them good training. Help them get in the right training class. And then if you are here, give, you want to help people get to this stage, give them opportunities for service. Take them on a missions trip. You can come with us or another missionary that you... Support here at the church and see what God is doing in another place and give them opportunities for service there, guided opportunities. And this was two-year point in Jesus' ministry with them. And the final stage was John chapter 15, and it was? Come and abide with me. Okay. So come and see, come and follow me, come and be with me, come and abide in me. Jesus said, I want you to bear much fruit, but you cannot do anything without me. Like the vine, the branches and the vine, you must be connected to the source, and I will produce fruit for your life. And so this stage, person has become a Christ-like reproducer, a leader of leaders, like a church planting team where the leader is leading a group of church planters. And so this is ongoing relationship and trusting of ministry to people so they can lead that ministry. And so 
as you look at this, think about where are you at in the process? Here is who I am in Christ, how to grow spiritually. Here, how to, use the, how to understand the Word of God, getting the skills for evangelism, sharing with others. Here, learning how to lead ministry, and finally, learning how to lead others in ministry. Where are you at? And there's someone that you could help in this process. God placed us here on the earth. He left us here until Jesus comes to make disciples of all nations. And us, ourselves, grow in that relationship with him as a disciple. So if you're here, join the Knowing God class so that you can grow here. And if you're here, join the Bible Study Methods class so that you can grow to this stage and so forth. Where are you? How can you take the, step, the next step? And is there somebody that you can help grow in this process? There's a young man that I meet with. He's 30 years old. Uh, his name is Kevin. And it's obvious that God is working in his heart. Every, week, every Wednesday night in Tampa, if I'm in town, he and I get together and meet. He's preaching this morning in a church in, in Brandon, Florida. He's joined a class that we have in Tampa. He's gone through the training. He came from a new believer, and he has grown to here. And he is at the point of God calling him into some full-time ministry. But I am spending time with him every week, helping him in his character, sharpening his skills, uh, getting to know him better, and helping him grow to the next stage. And you can do that also with somebody else. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not even here yet. Where Jesus says, come and see. The invitation is here to you this morning. Jesus is saying, come and see. See who I am. Believe in me. Become a follower. Trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're here. Grow to the next stage and so forth. Where are you? And is there someone in your life that God has placed in your life that you can help get to the next stage in their journey? This is what it's all, discipleship is all about. Helping people. It's, discipleship is a relationship. Helping someone grow to the next stage. And each one of us can be involved in somebody else's life, helping them grow to that next stage in their life. We just have to look for the people that God has placed within our circles and help them in their walk with Christ. Where are you? Commit to yourself growing and becoming more like Jesus Christ, where are you in the process, and who can you help in this process? Okay, let's give these guys a hand. Thank you for your help. And let's close in prayer.